Hello and welcome to the Landmark Q&A podcast. This week, director Richard Linklater sits down to discuss his new film, Last Flag Flying. Apologies to Bob Dylan. We oh, cut off his song, yeah. but no one wants to watch the credits, right? <laughs> I do. This is the amazing I don't Richard mind. Linklater. I don't mind. So, uh, thank you guys for being here. <laughs> so, um, there is such an interesting blend of the road trip movie, the buddy movie here, dealing with grief, dealing with... A little bit of war movie, I think. A little bit of war movie, a little military, yeah. So what is it about this story that resonated so much? Because it's based on a short, uh, novel by Daryl Ponickson. Yeah, in 05, I read this novel. It was pretty much an unpublished novel at the time. And uh, I don't know, I just got... It was kind of what I think the movie is. It's really funny, these... Um, characters were just full of life. I just really related to them. And it was really about the wars. You know, it was about Vietnam and the new Iraq War, which in 05 was, um, you know, pretty horrible, you know, by then. It was really, um, I don't know. I had such profound, um, I don't know if it was, I guess it was anger, disappointment, all those things, having seen that war coming as an adult, having remembered Vietnam as a kid, and then study the history of Vietnam, you know, what a mistake, and to see our country kind of run headlong into a similar mistake, different but similar enough, you know, so. You don't find too many movies that deal with two wars, like that kind of bookended, you see, yeah. you know, things deal with World War II, or they deal with Vietnam, and this is, this kind of looks at the connection or the similarities between the two yeah those guys are just old enough you know to be reflecting on that and I was always interested in how you know how we stay the same as we were when we were young and how you change a lot and that to me Sal Cranston's character is the same he's kind of actively trying to stay the same he's Mm -hmm. the same guy Mm -hmm. you know and then uh, Fishburne's character Mueller how how different he's become by his choices, by he kind of just decided to be a better person. And he is, you know. Sal thinks he's kind of, doesn't trust him, you know, doesn't really believe it. I love, yeah, that kind (laughs) of, and how much can you put that away? So, um, yeah. And then where does Doc fall in there, kind of? You know, poor Doc, he's the guy who did everything kind of right. I mean, he's just so damn unlucky, (laughs) you know, just the sad sack, unlucky. And he's having, um, you know, like like he says in the movie, you know, the worst thing in the world has happened to you. So, you know, as a parent, that's another little element to, um, you know, kind of your worst nightmare, you know, to explore that. So there was a lot of things in this movie that I was trying to work through, I think. Um, you know, and you don't know how you feel. You know, I have a, I'm lucky I um, have a medium, you know, I can kind of work through ideas artistically in a movie with these great characters and you know it's a it's a great um way to find out what you really feel because i wasn't sure you know it was all such a jumble patriotism the flag support the troops anti-war you know where does it all mix so it was quite an experience i met a lot of really great people you know a lot of military people that came out with i mean my dad was in the navy you know he fought in um he didn't see that much action. He was in the Korean War. We didn't, wasn't quite like a big military family I grew up in, but, and my generation, we, the last thing anyone 
it was, they had stopped the draft probably about five years before I was even eligible. But uh, the last thing me and my friends and everyone I knew wanted to be was in the military. You know, that was just Reagan in the early 80s. No one even remembers, but I think he was thinking about going down into Central America and overthrowing a country or two. Or yeah. <laughs> and they, they actually said, hey, let's do conscription again. All you, all you guys sign up. Just, just let us know where you live so we can. And we, none of us signed up. <laughs> the whole culture just went, you know what? No, we're not going. And so then they had to kind of come up with this all-volunteer army, all-volunteer military. They, the draft was not going to work in our culture. The whole culture was like, no. Um, so, yeah, even my mom, she was like, you're not going. I'll take you myself to Canada. You know, you're not going. I'm like, yeah, hell no, I'm not going. Because <laughs> Vietnam, it was ugly. It was an ugly end, you know, to that war. And so that worked for about a generation or two, or one and a half, I guess. And then, it, that's why I said it was so disappointing to see the Iraq War come about. It's like, have we not learned anything, you know? Well, you know, it was a new century. It was post 9-11, I think, changed so much. So we okay. wanted to get somebody. Yeah, you know, let's, someone's got to pay. Let's, let's pick the country it had nothing to do with it. <laughs> it's like a lynching or something. Yeah. I would have felt like. And your, your fourth key character, um, Lance Corporal Charlie Washington, uh, J. Quinton Johnson, I was intrigued by his role in it because he's, he's a key part in it as yeah, well. And yeah. he is he one of those guys who speaks for the whole the Iraq War of that generation. And, um, I had him meet a few Marines. He hung out with some guys. And uh, he kind of threw in that line when they say, why'd you sign up? He goes, well, I really didn't have shit else to do. Because, <laughs> you know, Quentin himself was, um, you know, he's a college student, uh, musical theater guy. He had been in my last movie. He's in Hamilton right now on Broadway. Um, I mean, he's great. You know, he's having a big career. But he, the people he met, the thing he found over and over, and it's what we all know, so many uh, uh, people who sign up, it's, it's just kind of... A lot of them have smaller towns, and they just don't have the economic opportunities. And, you know, military life does offer quite a bit, um, you know, benefits and things. Or they can say it that way. But to me, um, I think that's especially brave to sign up. The guys I knew who did sign up for military in my time, it felt like they were playing roulette. Like, well, there's probably not going to be a war, so go ahead. But now you're signing up. A war is going on? That's brave. That's really brave, you know. So I, my respect for those um, those men and women now is is pretty high. I just wish what they're giving, what they're offering, which is everything they have to their country, is reciprocated from the top, which it often isn't. Yeah. What we don't often see in movies are sort of the, we see you know military and then we see non-military. But what you had what you explored here is the conflicting kind of views within the military, between those, those three guys who had been, who had served in Vietnam. You know, we tend to think of it as a monolithic mindset, you know, someone who's been in the military, but it's so not. Yeah, they have a um, wide uh, spectrum of, even when they're in it, you know, you talk to people who are in, you know, a lot of them, you know, they catch people when they're young. And a lot of them are being enlightened as they go. They're reading books and they're, they're becoming kind of, they're seeing the world 
literally and you know in their own development and a lot of people in the military kind of come to the conclusion hey this is not so good and others are just with it all the way so there's a big i think there's always been a huge gamut of political um, discourse and and they all complain you know that military they no one complains more about the military than people in the military you know it's it's their right <laughs> you know like anyone in a big bureaucracy and nothing's more chain of command than military so it, it's just frustrating you know for every individual so they all kind of come out with a certain love hate yeah. thing that they find pretty uh realistic i think you know we i have trouble with so many war movies because I think they take one monolithic view, like they're all heroic, great people, or they're all this, or they're all that. And, um, like I said, this is my kind of war movie, where it's just people talking, and, and it's the reflection of a war, or the aftermath. It wasn't like the battlefield, or any of that. So. And when you talk about people talking, I mean, you're, so many of your films, like the Before Trilogy and, and certainly Boyhood, um, you explore characters through that conversation and that banter and that back and forth. Mm -hmm. Is that, that's, that seems like a hallmark Linklater trait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when they um, sent me the book, I think it was starting to make some rounds in the industry. And I think there was a general feeling that the book, people thought, oh, it's, it's not a movie. It's just these guys talking. So when I got it, I said, well, it's my kind of movie. You know, that's just, yeah, I can, yeah. So I can't, couldn't wait to adapt that and try to make that. It felt like a real challenge, but I felt really close to it, you know, close to them. But yeah, you kind of can't help but be who you are. You know, every movie, I think I'm doing something very different. Like, oh, this is middle-aged guys. I usually do more youthful characters. This is, this is different. That's different. It's about something else that I haven't touched before. You think you're on really original ground, and then you get into it a little bit, and you go... Oh, but it's still a bunch of people talking. Or, you know. <laughs> so once well, you, you start, well. <laughs> the world gets narrower. You're you're limited. You're you're you know it's your limitations that uh, I don't, are you know. I think a lot of people it, would not see it as limitations, yeah, but as but, your specialty. Yeah, when you first <laughs> fall in love with movies, you kind of think you can do anything, and then you start making movies, and it gets narrower. You know, so <laughs> but that's that's not always a bad thing. So. So Daryl Ponickson, who wrote this, also wrote The Last Detail, and yeah, I've heard of... 1970 book. Right. Yeah. And the movie that was his first novel. Oh. And then, you know, they made the movie. Some people see this later. as a sequel, kind of. Do you, what do you think about that? Well, you know, I kind of had to think about that from a historical perspective. I don't think you can, in movie tech terms, technically, I don't think it can be a sequel if it's not the cast from that movie. So I, I say we're a sequel the way Silence of the Lambs is a sequel. Manhunter, you know, no. it's the next in the Silence of the Lambs books, but a different cast, different everything. So the DNA is certainly there, but we adapted it. And the book is a sequel, but the movie obviously isn't. They're Marines, they're not Navy, we, they have different names. <laughs> you know, we adapted it away, Daryl and I. And it freed us up to actually uh, create all the Vietnam backstory, which isn't in the books, because it's not set in Vietnam, or they, they weren't in Vietnam. Right. But it's kind of about Vietnam, but it wasn't. That's what made it kind of cool, right? Less detail. But I thought to, to believe that he would look him up 30 years later, it would, they, their bond was based on something more than a few day road trip, you know? Yeah. It was something much deeper that they went through and um, experienced together. 
Speaking of their bond, they have this amazing chemistry. There's a real natural yeah. feel among the three. How did you encourage that? Because I know that um, Lawrence Fishburne and Brian Cranston had worked together, but I don't think Steve Carell was connected. Yeah, I think they had worked together a couple days on Contagion, oh, the okay. Soderbergh film. It's not like they had, you know, but they, they knew each other and respected each other and were looking forward to working with each other again. But each guy I talked to, they were really looking forward to working with the other two. I thought I was in good territory. They really respected it and wanted to work together. So, and then we just, we rehearsed a couple weeks and all the other, Ewell Vasquez who plays uh, Colonel Willits, uh, Quentin came in and you know, we just sat around, talked about it. Cause you know, to believe that 30 year bond, I, you know, they had to really get familiar with each other and we had to really talk through all this stuff. And to me, the scripts never um, finished, you know, until we're even in between takes, I'm still kind of rewriting or having ideas or, Maybe someone comes up with a funny line. It's, it's always open for that. So, but they they dug in hard, man. They really worked. And they were they were wonderful. Just a great team. They all meant a lot to them. They really supported each other. You know, it was great. We had a lot of fun too. <laughs> you know, most importantly, <laughs> I love the 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 way the emotions were expressed because they were very kind of low key and nuanced, particularly in Steve Carell's character who was going through such a terrible yeah. grief. Yeah, it was a portrait of grieving and uh, tragedy. And Steve, I think he was coming from such a personal place, you know. He had, you know, I think there's a kind of actor, you read the script and you say, oh, well, Sal's going to be the fun guy and Mueller's going to, you know, I don't have that much to do and I'll be shown up. It's their movie. But Steve doesn't look at it like that. He looked at it and went, oh, yeah. He just dialed into Doc's emotions and what he was going through. Steve had lost his mother recently. His dad is a World War II vet, and uh, he talked about his stoicism and his, the way he never talked about it. You know, that's really common. People who were in horrible military circumstances have one thing in common. They don't really talk much about it. You know, the giveaway for these kind of fake vets who are pretending to, you know, there's people who find, is when they talk too much. When my buddy was dying with it, you know, it's like, that's not, you know, that's usually not. I, that's a giveaway. But um, Steve had such a minimalist approach. You know, he really, in rehearsals, I don't know if Doc would say that, you know, that much. We were cutting bits and just, he just, it was beautiful. He felt his way through that performance just emotionally. And I think we both did. We, I didn't, unlike Cranston and Fishburne, who they had really specific ideas and we, it was more like, yeah, of course he would do that. Especially Cranston. He just came, like his performance, he's just overflowing, relentless, just, <laughs> Sal is this, Sal is that. I think he would be snorting coke, you know? I think he'd be, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course he would. Let's, you know, it was always, yes, yes, more. And uh, Steve was kind of the opposite. He was like, I don't know, unless, you know? And I was like, yeah, I don't know either. I think Doc doesn't know <laughs> why he's doing what he's doing. And, you know, so it was very, it was this real study in contrast, but, uh, yeah, their energy's so very different. And you really believed that these guys were friends. You, you really, that, that was so well conveyed. I, yeah. I was curious about the Cicely Tyson moment, too, because that was such yeah. a key emotional moment. How did that come about, that you cast her? Well, that moment itself isn't, isn't in the book. It's something we kind of built up through to in the adaptation. We thought, oh, that should probably have a resonance, what Doc is going through with his kid. Maybe there's a historical resonance there and uh, 
the idea of Sal's quest for this absolute truth that, you know, that that was a little blunt, that maybe there was something for him to learn there. And so that was a fun area to go, you know, down. And uh, it it was originally written for like, it was a, just kind of an Irish-American named guy, but in pre-production, I was just, you know, it was time to cast that. And I was just kind of visualizing the movie and the... Uh, the door, when they knocked on the door, it opened and there, it was Cicely Tyson standing there. You know, I could see her face and I was like, wow, I think someone's speaking to me. You know, it's like, so, and I, you know, I think historically, you know, a disproportionate number of, you know, African-American soldiers died in Vietnam. So I was kind of thinking of that also. And uh, I asked uh, Lawrence, because he, he had worked with Miss Tyson a few times, so. Uh, he said, yeah, just go just go talk to her. You know, I was like, really? He said, yeah, just, you know. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I, we just got in touch, and I went and had breakfast with her, and she had read the script and liked it, and I think she was aware of most of the actors. She had worked with Lawrence, of course, but, and uh, the only problem is it was, it was election day, and she really wanted to vote. For, she's friends with Hillary, and we were <laughs> shooting in Pittsburgh, and she needed to vote, and, you know, so we had to work out absentee voting and it took a it was a big effort but you, but did. you worked it out and it was my honor to to work with her you know big time the idea of truth and lies is something the movie really uh digs into you know the what really happened and yeah. it resonates now maybe more than ever in terms of lies and all of that but yeah you wouldn't have known that then <laughs> no well we're in the age of lies you know i think it's been this big uh uh, project of uh, part of our political landscape that just lies serve certain purposes and if you can get away with them and you say it often enough it becomes truth or at least enough to obstruct the facts look at like science or global warming you know when we grew up these were it wasn't really an option to not agree with scientific consensus <laughs> that was just <laughs> not even you don't learn that in school. But, you know, 20 years of Fox News, and <laughs> it's okay to say, ah, you know, whatever. I'm, but there's a, there's a bigger issues with that. I think there's like little lies and there's big lies. Mm -hmm. And uh, we all do little lies, you know, all the time. We don't even know we're doing it. It's just getting along. and It's called getting along in the world, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. just little things. But then there's big ones, you know, you need to, um, you know, what it, I think there's myths, you know, we need to, you know, big organizations kind of need origin myths, governments need it, religions need it, everybody, you know, and, but to motivate a whole population or, you know, it's probably just easier to have a big lie, you know, <laughs> just a big simple lie, you know, it's, it's, you know, like weapons amount, you know, mushroom clouds coming our way, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, I get that, you know, or we've been attacked, whether it's the Reichstag or the Gulf of Tonkin, you know, it's like people, just something to have a visceral, fearful response to, it just works time and time again. We're all completely manipulatable, manipulatable on this area, you know, you have to just stand back and say, wait a second, you know, it's, it's hard, but we're, we're easily led and as a, that is as a, a way to population, the yeah. yeah, you know, and you can kind of get away with it. 
you know. So it's it's sad. It's scary, you know. But and the big lies equal, you know, ruined countries and millions of dead people. So, and it's often when that's on the we'll analyze everything so much, but. As the wars come about, it gets really simple, the dialogue. And that's what I keep coming back. It was so disappointing, the run-up to the war. It was like, if you're not for it, you're unpatriotic. If you're not for it, you don't support the troops. You know, these simple little slogans. It's like, no, that's when we need to all be doubling down and really analyzing things and bringing our best scholars in. And really, you know, let's, let's learn more before we do that again. And your, your film really... Um kind of traffics in that complexity and in that nuance as opposed to the, the black and white uh, notions, which is something I, I think hope so. Yeah, there's a certain ambiguity and a certain unknown thing, even like what happened. I wasn't, I think that we're in the right territory for that, you know, that not, you wouldn't know. Some people seem a little frustrated. Well, what happened back in Vietnam? What, what did he go to the brig for? It's like, we just know it was messed up. You know, I like movies that don't necessarily say everything. So that was kind of purposeful that we didn't, you know, tell you everything. So I kind of like that. In the, in the politics of the movie and everything, it, it's really just, I was trying to honor their points of view. Mm -hmm. I, can't, I can't tell you who Sal voted for if he was voting in the last election. I don't know. He might have, you know, it's just, it was kind of respectful for that generation. You didn't really talk about religion and politics. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what they're doing here. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, there was a certain thing. You accepted other people's views and you didn't push those boundaries too much. So mm -hmm. It's kind There's of old, old school. Yeah, yeah courtesy. Yeah. I think the audience may have questions, so I want to open it up. There's one right there. Did everybody hear that question? How he wants to know how he came to this project, and also if he had an unlimited budget and could do whatever he wanted, what he would do? Yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> he has a blank check. He's writing. It. Yeah, that that one. <laughs> wow. Um, no, how I came to it. I, like I said, I read the book and just got worked on the script. That was a long time ago. That was like '06. So the movie didn't happen back then. It took all these years. It was 10 years later that we finally got, it was all, you know, movies are kind of all have their timing, you know? I, I've learned over the years to not force it. If it's just, I mean, at that point, I don't think the no one in the industry wanted to fund a movie about this subject. Um, I don't think the public wanted to see a movie about this, but it felt like it was kind of changing. And I, when I sent the script to Ted Hope at uh, Amazon Studios, he liked it. You know, I was kind of pitching, like, usually it takes about 10 years after a war. Not that this war's over, <laughs> but, um, you know, a little historical distance can be helpful in that way. So I thought just the time arrived. And it was really the best phone call I ever made was to Daryl Ponixon, who's uh, turning 80 soon. And because I, I told him, we're going to make that movie someday. He's like, well, better hurry. You know? <laughs> so no one was more happy than him. And I was happy for him that these characters that he loves so much and mean so much to him that they're actually now on the screen. So I was, I was just, he's a really special guy, you know, an old Navy guy and a great writer and just a great guy. So I'm, I'm really happy for him. 
Yes, right here. And I didn't answer the other thing. Oh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I've been lucky these last couple of films. I have just enough budget and just enough time to make the movie I'm trying to make. So I don't have any $200 million film that I'm just, you know, they're holding me back from. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I got enough. I'm happy. Yes, you. Yeah. Uh, no, purposefully not. I know that film so well. I have a poster of it in my office. <laughs> you know, like every, you know, it's a real cult film. You know, every filmmakers, every, everybody loves Hal Ashby. Everybody loves those 70s movies. And that's probably Nicholson's, one of his top. I think he personally thinks it's his best performance. That he was robbed of an Oscar that year, whatever. Um, <laughs> I think he still has a <laughs> problem with that. Um, so I've heard. But uh, um, no, didn't really have to. This was like these characters, and like I said, we were adapting away from it. So I never, never really went back. And but I think I know it. I don't really have to refer to it because I know it. Yes, right here. Did everybody hear that? Um, she's asking about his previous films and his editing style, that before when there'd be long dialogue, the camera would stay on the person and there was a little bit more quick cutting this time around, and she wants to know yeah, about the Yeah, I've done some choice. notoriously long takes with two people talking, but it's easier, once you get three people, and especially in the kind of, it just grew out of the story and the kind of the road, road movie nature of this. They're in different seats, they're facing each other. You know, it's just not technically, um, it, it just didn't lend itself to it so much. They were never like walking, you know, in a, in a way that, that worked so well for that. So it just didn't, it just wasn't part of the vocabulary on this one. Plus I wanted to just kind of stay on them, kind of close to them, so. Yes. Did you hear that? <laughs> if you heard it, I won't repeat it. <laughs> um, I don't know what people want to see. I really don't. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, just stories. You know, it's just this is the next story I was able to tell. Like I said, I've been wanting to tell it for a long time. So I just feel very grateful that I got a chance. And I think if you keep your budgets... Um, reasonable enough, you can get any kind, you know, different kind of movies made. So this is the kind of film they quit making a while back. But I think in the current climate, it's gotten a lot better. Just here in the last few years, there's just more. This was done with Amazon Studios. Between that, Netflix. I've done my last couple of films too with Annapurna, a wonderful company. And so yeah, they're filling this niche that the studios kind of quit making films like this, which is fine. You know, they kind of figured out what they're doing. And uh, there's this whole other landscape, but currently it's it's kind of wide open. It's not a bad time, so I'm grateful to get those 
made. And, you know, you hope there's an audience out there, but uh, you, you never know. <laughs> okay, we have time for one last question. Oh. This woman has had her hand up for a very long time. So, Or is it? Oh, it's a guy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can't see from here. Did everybody hear that? If he had made this movie in the peak of the Iraq war, how would the characters have been different than they would be today? Yeah. And he mentioned the, that he, he said Fast, Fast Food Nation. Nation. Yeah, I mean, in 06, Fast Food Nation and another film on Scanner Darkly, an animated one, they came out in that same year. And they're both, I, I look at them and they, they're kind of, they're both kind of paranoid and angry. And I thought, I think the Bush Cheney years were just getting to me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and this would have, and I wrote this at that same time. So this was part, probably grew out of that. But to answer your question, I don't think I'd have any different to the characters, maybe to the world in general or some of their attitudes that might have been a little more angry. Um, but I don't think it would have changed that much. You know, I still feel that. <laughs> you know, I haven't, I don't know. I don't think I feel any less angry, you know, about some of these subjects, but. Calmly angry. Yeah, I've always been calmly angry. <laughs> the quietly angry. <laughs> this isn't bad. I think we're getting so, a high sign that we have yeah. to end up. I know there are other questions. I apologize, but thank you so much. Oh, for I being thank here you guys, us. and thank you, Claudia, for being here. So, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Landmark Q&A podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, or if you want to watch the video of this recording, head over to our YouTube page where you can find this episode and many more.